Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you, the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube page, Unpacking It. Subscribe to our email devotional on unpackingit.com. We will do the Unpack This segment in just a little bit about Giannis's aggressiveness and a comment made by Jeff Van Gundy during the broadcast last night. Of course, we will unpack the NBA Finals. We missed you last week because it was 4th of July weekend, and so uh, we were off, but we are back today. So we've got a lot to catch up on in the world of sports. I'm coming off of a, a weekend away, so I got some some thoughts on that. Uh, Luke is here and Henry is not. So we, we got to pray for Henry today. He's got some family uh, things to take care of. Uh, and, and we're missing the interns today as well. So it's, it's Luke and I and you. But we want you to engage with us on the chat. So whether you're, you're listening or watching on Facebook Live, leave your comments there. Uh, make sure you like our Unpacking It page as well so that then you always get the notifications when we start this show. So each week we, uh, we start around 10.30 or 11, uh, depending on what's going on here at Unpacking It. So glad to be with you. Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. We will do I'm Convinced in just a moment as well. But let's say good morning to Luke. Luke, how are you, man? Oh, it is good to be back. Man, last week I was getting antsy. Woke up Monday morning, nothing. So it was a somber July 5th last week. But uh, we are here and uh, excited to talk some sports, faith, and life. Uh, but first order of business is a little birdie told me, which you are the little birdie, that you had a mountain biking experience extravaganza this weekend. So extremely curious about that. Yes. So I hate to admit that on a day-to-day basis, I am not very active, athletic, uh, exercise. None of those words are really a part of my day-to-day hey, life. Don't discount mowing the lawn and your old horseshoe pit that you built. Well, that's that's a good point. That, that's true. But that, <laughs> now that's been a couple of years. Uh, but but so unfortunately, it's not a good thing. I need to make some changes in my life in order to exercise more. However, over the last eight years since I've been married, uh, it'll be eight in August, uh, each July for most of those years, we missed last year, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and myself get away to a little town called Brevard, North Carolina, and we mountain bike in the the forest. And so I rent a mountain bike because, like I said, I'm not mountain biking day in, day out throughout the year, but once a year I hop on that bike and I'm <laughs> riding up and down the mountains of North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And, and so I survived. That's always the, like the number one thing. 
But I, I love mountain biking. I think it's a ton of fun. It's a great workout. It really tests you physically, but more importantly, mentally. Like, can you keep going? And can you get up that mountain? And I, I'm, I do okay going up. I'm, I actually struggle going down. Because I'm like hanging on. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hit the wrong thing. I, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I always think of like spiritual parallels as I'm riding. And it's, it's this idea that I don't know what's coming ahead of me when I'm going so fast down the mountain. Speed like, demon. Ooh. Well, no, I, I, I try to slow down as much as I can, <laughs> but it gets dangerous when you, when you ride that break. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you find the wrong rock. You're in trouble. But, uh, but it's, it's just the, the unknown. You're coming around the corner. You're like, ooh, is this going to be a tight turn? So how slow do I go? It's just very scary. But anyway, it was a fun weekend. I have two big takeaways and two things to share on the show. One, when I'm driving around in my car, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when bikers are in the way, when they are riding on roads that other people are driving on. I get annoyed. Now, now just, happens- just to clarify, by bikers, do you mean cyclists or Cyclist. like the leather jackets, wild hogs, <laughs> well, those, that's, Harley that, Davidson bikers? Those, those guys bring other issues to the table. Now, now the cyclists, though, Good for them. Now they are exercising. They're in great shape. You know, good for them. Their calves are 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 ignited and they're in ready. Great to go. shape, yeah. But but they get in the way of drivers. And so when they're driving, especially during rush hour, mm-hmm. I have been known to be uh, a little upset or frustrated when I see the cyclists slowing traffic down. Flash mm-hmm. forward to this past weekend, or rewind to this last weekend, I should say. I'm the drive. I'm the guy on the bike in the road, Ooh. getting in the way, slowing down traffic because we had to get to our trail from our house. And I'm driving in the road thinking to myself, I am a hypocrite. I am the worst. <laughs> I don't like myself right now. I don't like that. I'm the guy in the road, in the way, not to mention it's so scary. It's so scary. Oh, yeah. because I know the mentality of the drivers and they're thinking, this guy's in my way. And they speed up past you. you oh, know, yeah. they a little, okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the forest and the safe place for me to, to, to ride my mountain bike. And so this is a mountain bike. This isn't a, a cycling bike. This isn't a road bike. And yeah. so it was very dangerous, very scary. And I felt terrible that I was putting myself in that position. Mm. So I had to get that off my chest and kind of confess that because normally I'm on the other side of that. And I would yeah. rather be in the car that seems like a safer <laughs> place um the other thing so I'm, I'm hanging out with my uh brother-in-law father-in-law and so you know nice bonding time it's great but it also gives me a little weekend away you know love jody but nice to get a little break and, and just kind of you know clear my head have some fun and also guess what i get to do i get to go grocery shopping for whatever snacks i want for the week it's a game changer Oh, it is tremendous. Now, when I was in college, of course, you, you know, you, you, you go grocery shopping for yourself and I would get my bag of Cheetos. I would get my Pringles. I would get my Oreos. And I was all wow, the trifecta. That was, that was <laughs> life, life, the single life with Bryce. And, and so now that I'm, I'm married, you know, we eat better. We eat healthier. Fruit is now a part of the conversation. Vegetables. Uh, did you know, broccoli pretty tasty when you put a little seasoning on it. Hummus, that seems to be your go-to. I'm a go-to hummus guy. So <laughs> for the most part, that's one positive thing is I, I have been eating much better, especially Jody's pregnant, so it goes up an, an extra notch. But when I'm away, 
Oh, Ingalls, Walmart. Here I come. I'm running around going, ooh, Nutty Bars. Ooh, Pringles. Ooh, Donut Sticks. Honey Bun. I found a Honey, honey bun. bun. Honey Bun, yep. But get this, not a standard Honey Bun. Ooh. This is a tasty cake Honey Bun covered in chocolate filled with Boston cream. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. So See, I, can't, I can't go cream filled. Ooh, I struggle with the cream shit. filled, but honey oh. buns, honey buns are an absolute game changer. Oh my god, so good! They it was fantastic. However, I ate that right before the Saturday ride Ooh. on the mountain. Poor Tough. decision. Poor decision. So here I, you know, the freedom of the grocery store. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat whatever I want. It's gonna be delicious. No, that's poison. That is poison. <laughs> it is not a. It is not a good decision when you're jumping on a bike to try to ride up a mountain with a honey bun stuck right here, just lodged right here. Not good. Um, so my question for everyone listening today, what is your go-to kind of you know, guilty pleasure snack? If, if you're, you, know, you don't look at the calories, you don't look at the sugar content, what is your go-to? Now, mine is the donut sticks. That, that's, that's why I did get that. I added the honey bun as kind of a bonus thing. I'm going to need a definition of donut stick. I'm not sure I'm familiar. It's... Um, uh, it's just, it's just a, it's like just a, a corn, like a corn dog. No, 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 like no. A corn dog? Donut. it's a donut in the form of a stick. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all it is. And I it's, was picturing it's a, donut on a stick. A cake kind of cakey thing. Oh, got to go. Yeah. Covered. The cake style donuts. Unbelievable. Very good. Very good. Now I'm a Krispy Kreme guy in general, but. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. But anyway, so I go, so donut sticks and then I love Pringles. So I'm a big Pringles guy. So I got my can of Pringles. Uh, so that was my that was my trip. So I'm I'm curious what your uh, if you're listening now, uh, what is your your go to kind of guilty pleasure snack? So you got a macadamia you go. nuts uh, suggestion in the comments. I, I like that. I saw a bag of those at Walmart, and I go, oh, normally I see these in cookies. So uh, just a bag of macadamia nuts, unless they're included with some sort of cookie. I, I'm not sure. I'm, yeah. I'm all in on that. So uh, <laughs> so anyway, there you go. That was my my trip away. How was your weekend, Luke? How are you doing? Weekend was good. Coming up on uh, Wednesday will be four months of marriage, Ooh. so uh, still going for that Rookie of the Year award. Feeling good, <laughs> feeling strong, padding stats left and right. Uh, but I it was good. It. Yeah, not a not much going on. Oh, played golf. It's been it's been quite a hiatus from the mm. links, uh, and yeah, I, I have some frustrations with golf culture. I'd like to get off my chest. Ooh, here. okay. So my buddy and I. We wanted to play the very front tees because, hey, when you play golf, it's about having fun. We're not on tour here. We're not playing in a tournament. We want to have fun. So we're like, let's play the front tees, see if we can see how much that impacts our scores. So it was fun. It's like a 1,500 yards less than the tees you normally play. I ended up – I shot a 76, which was fun. Um, and our buddy, my buddy cool. shot better than what he normally does. So we were having a great time. But we were getting chirped at left and right. We were on the first hole. We're in the fairway. The guys in the fairway next to us. So uh, why are you guys playing the red tees? Uh, first of all, let's uh, let's keep to our own fairways here. Okay, yep. you can you, you can stick to your ball. We'll stick to ours. Uh, answer: We're trying to have fun, sir. And then after uh, they saw us at the turn after after the ninth hole, and they yell at us. So uh, how many birdies you guys got? I'm like, dude, what's going on here? Can we just enjoy the game of golf? Oh. They're like, 
these passive aggressive comments, these three middle-aged guys. I'm like, dude, we are come out here to have fun. What are you doing? Like, can Play we your just, own ball. yeah, let's just let us have fun. We're playing from the red tees. Thankfully, there is a breath of fresh air. The guy behind us, the the group, oh, another the group in front of us had to have set the record for slowest group of all time. It was it was just egregious. I'm usually that group, so I'm not going to rip them. So, so the guy behind us caught up to us. He's like, so are you guys playing the red tees? We're like, yeah, trying to have fun. He's like, awesome, great luck. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you are what we need on the golf course, not these these guys, these golf purists who uh, are you can't settle for any change. But the group in front of us, here's the thing. A good golf partner is not determined on how good they are. It's can you play fast or at a decent pace? Because when you're bad at golf and you're taking 12 practice swings, that's actually hurting you. Just grip it and rip it. Go up there, (laughs) swing the club. I don't need to watch you take 12, 15 practice swings for a 60-yard chip shot. Like, if you can hit the shot, you're going to. If you can't, you're not. So that, that was frustrating. But overall, it was fun to be out on the golf course had definitely had the worst sunscreen, but watch tan. I have my first watch tan ever, oh. which is a ginormous feat for me as a part of the uh, the redheaded clan of pale skin members of the human race. So oh, it's exciting! Tough it's tough out there. Well, get, no, I'm glad you're you're back on the course, and I know you you love being out there. So you can't let the other guys bother you. You got to just just play your ball and keep going. Yeah, just definitely. Keep going. Um, all right, so let's do I'm Convinced, then we'll do Unpack This. We'll, we'll talk about the NBA Finals, a lot to get to here on the show. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this going right away to say that, that I'm convinced that U.S. basketball, USA basketball, that team, if it ever includes more than six NBA players, they should never lose to another country. I don't care if they're playing pickup basketball. I don't care if it's an exhibition game. I don't care if they're playing for the gold medal. USA basketball should never lose. And they did. Over the weekend, they lost to Nigeria. And they lost by three points. And it would be very easy to just blow it off as, as an exhibition. But I'm convinced the way these rosters get constructed, it does not matter about the talent. It matters, like you got to have M- M- NBA guys, right? And so we know that the NBA players are the best in the world. There are a few guys scattered around in different European leagues that, that are probably better than some NBA players. But in general, the best players are from the NBA. But that doesn't mean that you just, you know, you, you put the very top players, the best of the best, and that they're going to go win. You have to get guys that understand team basketball, that understand how to play together. So you can't just roll the ball out and expect it. And and I'm afraid and I'm convinced that if Kevin Durant is your best player and he's the one setting the tone, I'm not so I, I'm not very confident that that they can just roll through the Olympics. I am unfortunately I'm a a critic of Kevin Durant in general. That's why I wasn't on the Nets bandwagon, and I'm not on this Olympic basketball team bandwagon if he's going to be the one leading the way because. I think in years past, when you have guys like LeBron, even Carmelo Anthony, like knew what it took to win in the Olympics. Like you have mm-hmm. to have the guy that sets the tone, that sets the right environment, that's willing to sacrifice. And so a lot goes into what it takes to win in the Olympics, not just, oh, we got all these great, great players. And I would even say some of the young players don't always 
understand or appreciate what it takes to, to play on that platform in that venue where you're getting all these NBA stars from around the league to, to come together for this, this one goal. We already saw Nigeria knock them off. Now yep. I'm convinced that the loss will wake them up. They can learn from it though. They, they should get better from it. In some ways it humbles them, which should set them up well. But, but I'm looking at this roster and at first glance, you got to recognize, okay, Chris Middleton, Middleton is playing in the finals. Devin Booker playing in the finals. Yep. Uh, I think there's one other guy. Uh, Drew Holiday. So those three guys are are still, you know, they'll join in a, in a couple weeks, I guess. But but I I need more out of uh, the the veterans and and Kevin Love, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant. That's kind of who they're leaning on. I, I'm convinced. I'm not real confident in in that. I'm really not. It's, so there you go. Let me let me just read you a. I mean, this sentence is just an indictment on. The her- I mean, this is a horrific loss. No, no, no disrespect to Nigeria. So, coming into this game, the Americans had been fifty-four and two in exhibition games since pros started playing for Team USA in 1992. Fifty-four and two in all exhibition games. Nine years ago, they beat Nigeria by eighty-three points. Eighty-three points. They won a basketball game, and five years ago, they beat Nigeria by forty-three points. I mean, this roster, I mean, that this cannot happen. No. The roster that they have include, I mean, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, Lillard, Levine, Draymond Green. There, and there is no way they should lose. That's so bad. No. I mean, it's so bad. So he, here's one takeaway. If you look at some of these guys, like Bradley Beal, not a winner. What's he done in Washington? Not a winner. Uh, Jeremy Grant, who I like, he's a nice role player, but he's, he's from the Detroit Pistons. Hasn't experienced a ton of winning in his career. He was with Denver, so won a little bit, but not, not a big-time winner. Uh, Zach Levine, not a winner. Kevin Love, without LeBron, not a winner. <laughs> think about what he did in Minnesota. Think about what he's done in Cleveland. Yikes. Uh, and then, you know, Jason Tatum, is getting there in Boston, but that's an underachieving team in Boston. So I just don't see a ton of winning. Now, you know, Bam Adebayo, the Miami Heat, did a great job last year getting getting to the finals. Kevin Durant, of course, is a winner with Steph Curry. So you got to have winners and, and the winning mentality and the winning locker room. That's what it's going to take to win in the Olympics. It's not just talent. It's not just grabbing the best players. It's it's really not. And this, these aren't even the best players either. It's just kind of an interesting compilation of guys it is interesting and so i'm just not real confident as i as i look at at what we're dealing with here it is interesting because most years i mean every year team usa should be able to put out a team and have more talent clearly more talent and usually you can walk out and no matter teamwork you just go out and win so maybe teamwork does play a role here that's an interesting perspective i have another bone to pick the fact that kevin love is on the team is blasphemy the dude what is first of all there's videos of him quitting on his team in cleveland uh, and he's been injured he hasn't been playing good and they chose him over julius randall who had one of the best seasons this past season and their reasoning was we really value kevin love's experience oh yeah why did he get three minutes 
and one rebound and one assist <laughs> and one field goal attempt against Nigeria. Really valuing his locker experience. Room guy. Locker room guy. <laughs> he better be. I mean, his role now is fire the team up after losing to Nigeria in the locker room. Outside of that, what are you doing there, K-Love? Gosh. I'll be curious how they respond. You know, Greg, Greg Popovich, uh, of course, coaching them. So what will he do to, to get them back on track? So it's interesting. So meanwhile, that's going on. And then we got the NBA Finals. And so I want to spend some time talking about the Finals. Game three, in some ways, was surprising. But in many ways, it's what you expect. This is how series go. When you switch home court, it changes things. Field goal percentages, three-point percentages, they eventually catch up to you. And the Suns were shooting you know, lights out the first two games. And then it kind of caught up with them. And then they didn't shoot as well last night. Whereas the Bucs finally got hot and some of their you know, role players were able to start hitting shots in front of the home crowd. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the, those other you know, storylines surrounding the finals. But, but I want to bring up something from last night's broadcast and, and unpack this a little bit for us today. And, and we'll look at, at kind of the, the spiritual ramifications of, of what Jeff Van Gundy said. And so this, this caught my, my ear a little bit. Um, hopefully you can hear this. Here we go. I'm so tired of hearing just be aggressive. Is it me that's saying that? No. <laughs> it's just over and over. You hear like that's all you have to do is put your head down and be aggressive. No, appropriate aggressiveness. How about this briefly? Appropriate aggressiveness. Such and a it's, point. so I love that. I, I was like, man, what does that, you know, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like from a basketball perspective? So let's talk about that. So, so Giannis has really taken over for the bucks and we knew that that, that had to happen in order for them to win. He needed some help from, you know, his other guys, Middleton and, and holiday, which, which they did, but Giannis has been aggressive to get to the basket, to get into the paint, to stop settling for the threes. He's mm-hmm. done a great job of that in this series the the dunks the the you know the the post ups getting the easy baskets but it it has taken him to to have uh, it, it has required him to be aggressive appropriately <laughs> I don't know how to word that the best way but but appropriate <laughs> aggressiveness right so so yeah. Van Gundy's right on with that and 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 so what is the flip side of that guys that play you know hesitant or fearful or they don't want to you know take a shot so they, they they pass it real quickly and, and they're just they're not really looking for their shot uh and so we we talk about this you know then like he said you know he hears it all the time they just need to be more aggressive they just need to be more aggressive this guy needs to be more aggressive lebron james has been criticized for that over the years like lebron needs to be more aggressive with the ball and we know that when he is appropriately aggressive and does get to the rim it does open up things for his teammates and so that's what we're seeing yeah. With Giannis and 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 it's just in in basketball, it makes a ton of sense. So, Luke, from a basketball perspective, what have you noticed in regards to Giannis's aggressiveness and and how it it it's been the right way, the right approach? Yeah, I agree. So, in one sense, when people say be more aggressive, that basically means shoot the ball more. Especially growing up playing basketball, hey, you need to be more aggressive. Be shoot aggressive. the ball. Shoot the ball more. Like. Giannis has to be very patient and calculated in his aggression, especially mm. from a jump shooting perspective, because him shooting threes in my, some people would say, shoot a couple, open up the floor. I say, don't, don't shoot, don't shoot threes. That's not your game. You're much better mid range shooter 
or what he needs to be doing is keep getting to the paint and you either score, get fouled, or pass. When he is properly aggressive, it's him knowing his game and then taking advantage of his skill set, which is I can draw two defenders on me anytime I want and get fouled or kick to a wide-open jump shooter. So when he's being patient and he is seeing his spots as opportunities to drive, it's incredible to watch. And then you combine that with teammates hitting shots. I love that aggression. But when he is this quote-unquote aggressive and he's settling for jumpers, which he hasn't done in a few games, which is awesome, that hurts his team. Yeah. Because that's not your game. That's right. We don't need you shooting jumpers. It's not a sweet spot. His sweet yeah. spot's right there in the paint. Exactly. He's got the size and the strength to, to get over anybody. And he's and he's yeah, been better at passing. I think he had four assists in the first quarter. Because really, also being able to – a good passer is, is, a, is a difficult skill set. Because Giannis – I think could average nine assists a game mm. because of his ability to drive and in, in, in have people collapse on him, just like a LeBron, just like Luca does. But you have to have vision. And he's been doing that the past couple of games of even just the wraparound pass or a kick to the corner. He's unstoppable if he, if he starts to open up his passing ability because he can get to the paint anytime he wants. Well, I think that's that's a important part too about the proper aggressiveness because if some guys are just aggressive and they shoot the ball all the time and they just take over and you know you think of of other NBA players that that you, you end up becoming a ball hog or you end up you just dominate the ball yeah. that's not the that's not the right kind of aggressiveness either just put your head down and go to the basket no 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 you, you keep your head up you look for who's open and you look for the best shots and 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 you find your sweet spot and that's the proper aggressiveness and so I looked up what is aggressive what does that word mean it means pursuing one's aims and interests forcefully sometimes unduly so and and then also aggressive means very involved in activity and so again there are two different ways to look at being aggressive the positive way and and the negative way I love that second definition very involved in activity and so here are some other words that uh, uh, synonyms. I was going to say thesaurus. Um, <laughs> assertive. Here are some other thesauruses. You've been watching uh, the spelling bee. Yeah, that's right. So you've got assertive, forceful, competitive, diligent, energetic, engaged, enlivened, enthusiastic, hardworking, intense, insistent, vigorous, energetic, bold, audacious. And then here's the one we'll kind of land on. Zealous which means passionate, devout, committed, devoted, enthusiastic, eager, vigorous. Uh, and then you can go into like feisty or pushing. Uh, all of these fall into this, this aggressive mentality. And so what does this mean for you and I? How does the word aggressive fit into our lives? Now, from a day-to-day work standpoint, you know, oftentimes if you're looking for a job, they'll say, hey, you got to be more aggressive. Hey, if you want to move up in your, in your job, you got to be more aggressive. You know, for me, here at Unpacking It, we have to raise support. And, and oftentimes, you know, I'll think, oh, it's got to be more aggressive. I, I got to raise more money. I got to be, I got to be aggressive. But there's a, a proper way to be aggressive. Not can just go out and ask for money and bang on the, bang on the door and, hey, I need money. I need money. Or, or properly seek the Lord and, and allow him to guide me and, and ask him to prepare people's hearts to receive the, you know, the invitation to give and to support Unpacking It. And, and so, 
we have to address this in our own lives. Okay, maybe I'm, I'm being too timid and fearful and, and holding back. And so I do need to be more aggressive in certain areas of life. You know, guys that are looking to get married and you're, you're trying to find a wife, sometimes we can, we can be too uh, reserved. I remember as a single guy, I was like, all right, I'll just let things happen. And, and sometimes you got to put yourself out there a little bit, but you can't be too aggressive. You can't be too aggressive and then you become too desperate and it becomes a, the whole nightmare. So you don't want to do that either. So it's, it's understanding what does it mean to be properly aggressive. And then when it comes to, you know, more specifically the spiritual aspect of it, where we want to have a, a zeal for Jesus, where we want to, to tell others about Jesus, that we want people to know him, to experience his grace and his love. And so we should be you know, assertive and bold and enthusiastic and, and work hard for the Lord and you know, uh, be insistent, but not overly insistent to where we push people away, to where our, our overzealousness uh, becomes unattractive. And, and so we have to, to remain you know, passionate, devout, committed to the Lord, to telling others about him uh, with, a, with a level of, of vigor and, and enthusiasm without being so feisty or pushy and then having improper uh, aggressiveness. And, and so we have to you know, really seek the Lord and, and, and check our hearts and, and, and evaluate. Uh, we talk a lot about in the show, just evaluate our own lives and, and, and figure out, okay, how am I really approaching this? And so am I living with uh, the zeal, the boldness, the, uh, the energy for the Lord, um, and is it proper? And so I found this verse in uh, a couple of verses in Romans 10 that, that I think gives us an interesting kind of uh, starting point to talk about this as well. So Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. And so what happens is if we get too caught up in, in zeal, in misdirected zeal, which I love that, uh, meaning we get so caught up and we got to do this, we got to do that. We, it's all about the law. It's, hey, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. And so we become aggressive where we start you know, calling everybody out. We start, oh, come on, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. And we, we become, we knock our mic over because we're so aggressive. And it's, it's annoying and it's pushing people away and it's misguided. We're not, we're not teaching, preaching, sharing love, grace, faith, trust, surrender. That's the zeal that we need. It's, it's pointing people to Jesus, not, you know, we, we point them to the law to recognize we're always going to fall short, that we can never follow this law in our own strength and in our own power. And so we surrender and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you and I need the grace that comes from Jesus because he died and rose again on the cross. And so that's, that's what we cling to. We cling to that truth. We cling to the gospel, and, and that's the zeal that we have. Now, if, if our zeal and enthusiasm is, you know, oh, we got we to gotta do this, we got to do that, we got to follow the law, and oh, my goodness, the legalism, it, it, it's, it's misguided, and it's the wrong kind of uh, aggressiveness. So I'll pause there, let Luke jump in. Uh, on this topic. And, and uh, for those of you listening, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on ways that you've experienced zeal for God in, in your own life 
properly, maybe improperly, what you've seen from others and what you've seen in your own lives uh, when it comes to proper aggressiveness versus misdirected zeal. Such a good topic. Um, I love that second definition of being involved in action. So in, in, in basketball, when a coach tells you be more aggressive, like they're really saying like, be confident in your skill set. Like do your skill set. Don't be timid in what you do well. Yeah. It's so like for a guy like Giannis, coach says be aggressive. It doesn't mean go above and beyond or do things that aren't in your skill set. Just be confident. Keep doing what you're good at. Mm-hmm. For a guy like Ben Simmons, it, when mm-hmm. it, when he's not being aggressive, it's when he's not doing what he's skilled at. When he's not leading the fast break out of possible fear of being fouled. Or he's not being aggressive and attacking the paint in order to dish because he doesn't want to be fouled and possibly miss a free throw. It's not asking him to just take jumpers. So that it'd be misguided aggressiveness or zeal in basketball to do something that's not in your skill set for the sake of being aggressive. Same thing in faith. This idea of misguided zeal is, one, so easy to do, to get in this mindset of, I need to do more. Mm. Oh, I'm not feeling... a all these spiritual emotions for God. I need to conjure up this emotional, spiritual high and serve God. Or I'm not serving enough. Oh man, I need to do everything possible. Well, I've been I've been reading Martin Luther lately, and he has this one book on Christian liberty, and it's about justification by faith. And he's like, anything that is not done out of faith is fruitless, basically. Mm. So when we when we're thinking about our zealousness for God, is it out of faith? Because as our foundation, we are completely depraved, and we have been given all of Christ's righteousness through faith alone, and He has taken all of our sin because of our faith. And that's our foundation, and out of that, we love God, and we serve God. And then that that is where we have zeal, this almost just unbelievable thankfulness and gratitude and faith that we get all of Christ's righteousness by trusting and believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. But it's so easy to get caught up in, I need to do more. I need to do this. Oh, if I don't do this well, God's going to hate me, or God's going to rebuke me, or I'm not living up. But man, live in the freedom of, I have already been saved and given, been counted as righteous because of faith, and now i there's freedom in that. There's liberty in that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's easy. Enthusiasm and energy and zeal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and we want to go out and serve. Exactly. Absolutely. But that's the right way. That, that This Christian aggressiveness is confidence in what is true and living in that confidence in what is true, which is we are saved by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And then now living and being aggressive, be, having zeal, as that with that as our foundation, not I need to earn or I'm going to lose. That's why I need to do this because we see all throughout Scripture incorrect zeal. Even the disciples wanting to take up swords because mm. the Gospels are clear they did not understand what Jesus was saying. They wanted to take up swords. The Pharisees talk about zeal. Oh my gosh, keeping the law, but they were burdensome on people. That is improper zeal. There's improper zeal all over Scripture and all over our lives, but then thankfully for God's Word being true 
uh, and without error, we get to read what correct zeal is. Because we should have zeal. Zeal, yeah. zeal, we should have zeal, but where is it coming from? Why do we have the, why are we zealous? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so again, yeah, we want enthusiasm. Here are other words for, for aggressive, uh, engaged, energetic, diligent, um, uh, insistent and, and, uh, bold, audacious. So yeah, so we definitely want to come, uh, with that approach as, as we live our lives and, and share our faith with others and, and encourage others. Uh, let's go back to this Romans 10. I'm going to read it from the amplified version uh, just to give us even just some some added context where it says, uh, for I te- Paul's writing, for I testify about them that they have a certain enthusiasm for God, but not in accordance with correct and vital knowledge about him and his purposes for not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works they did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him and its purpose is fulfilled in him for granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as savior. And so to your, to your point, that's our, our righteousness is found in him. And, and so then we respond with the proper enthusiasm and zeal uh, for what he's done in us and then uh, empowers us uh, as he works through us. So, uh, so hopefully that's encouraging for us to, to experience that freedom, to, to experience that, that lightness as, as we, uh, don't have to be so caught up in, in the law or, or, you know, doing works to, to be saved. Uh, but instead this enthusiasm comes from the spirit within us, mm-hmm. uh, that, that Christ has changed us and, and, and transformed our hearts, uh, because of our, our faith and trust in him. Um, yeah. So, there you go. Any any last word? Or are you good? I guess just in, in, improper zeal also has negative effects. Like yeah. I keep poor Ben Simmons. I keep bringing him up. And as a side note, Espies did him so dirty with a joke they made about him. But Ben Simmons feeling the pressure to take jump shots leads to insecurity, anxiety, mm. um, lack of confidence. It makes it worse. Improper zeal in our in our as we're following Christ also leads to that. Mm. And when in reading yeah. about Martin Luther, Martin Luther had s- severe bouts of anxiety and depression mm. as before he ignited the Reformation. This idea of I need to he, he was in confession all the time, mm. re- confessing petty sins, feeling like he's he can never get rid of his guilt always was feeling guilty, constantly depression, uh, lived a monastic life for a while. He's like, I'm going to give my whole life to Christ or uh, f- serve God full-time in a monastery in order to get rid of this guilt. And he's examining the scriptures, and he sees it's faith alone that I'm attributed all of Christ's righteousness, and I can live in that. So when we live in the what is true and what we see in God's Word, that compounds, and then we continue to live what is true, and then continue to live what is true. Same, but when we start living in what is wrong, that also doubles down and triples down. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. living I've improper zeal. I need to do more works. Oh, that's not good enough. Well, I need to do more. Same thing in basketball. Oh my gosh, I I'm not doing this good enough. Okay, well I need to keep trying. I need to do more. If I don't, okay, well next time I'll get it. But I keep failing. No, live what is true. Do what you are skilled at. Do what you are good at uh, in basketball. And then in faith. 
live out what is true is what we see in God's word. And then that compounds on itself and continues to multiply and we're sanctified. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, but again, it's hard. Forgive ourselves when we fall short of that too, but. That's right. We rest in his grace for sure. Well, you can unpack that and uh, that devotional will go out later today. So if you haven't subscribed to the unpack this devotional, be sure to do so on unpacking it. Dot com. All right, let's continue to talk about the NBA Finals. And for those of you listening, what are you convinced of in regards to the first three games? Uh, we haven't done this show to talk about any of the series yet. And, and so we'll, we'll kind of take a look at it overall. We can talk about last night's game. To me, it was just this is the way a series goes. The Bucks are a good team. They're, they're not just going to roll over this idea that, that the Suns were just going to sweep. And, and as good as the Suns looked, I still think they're the better team. The Bucs are going to make it tough. They'll probably win another game. This is going to go you know, a, a long series. It's not that the Suns are so dominant that they're just going to run away with things or that the Bucs are so bad, especially now that Giannis appears to be healthy enough. Um, I think in, especially in game one, a little hesitant, and yeah, back to being aggressive, he, start, he started to become more and more aggressive properly, and the Bucs have, have responded. Um, I still think the, the Suns are better coached. I still think Chris Paul gives them an edge, uh, especially in some some tight games. And I still think the Suns will win this series, but the Bucs yeah. are going to make it, make it interesting. So here's an interesting stat. Uh, Bob Stern is a Dallas radio guy, big Bucks fan. He tweeted, since June 1st, the Bucs in games one and two, one win, five losses. Hmm. Bucks in games three through seven, nine wins, two losses. And those wow. two losses where Giannis was hurt and KD had the best game in the history of the universe. <laughs> so don't don't count the Bucks out after games one and two. That seems to be the trend. I yep. agree Phoenix is the better team. Uh, they are they're, deep. They're, they're taking a little bit of hit, but yeah. They're yeah, yeah. Phoenix is probably deeper and they can shoot the ball better. And their their backcourt, I mean, it's killing Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. The the comparison of the backcourts is is night and day. It's really, I mean, Giannis is obviously an advantage, two time MVP, but the the Bucks are are really good. I mean, you don't make it to the finals without being really good. That's I right. don't care who you have to go through, you have to be really stinking good to make it to the finals. And Giannis, he seems to be a hundred percent, which is. Superhuman, how he recovered from a hyperextended knee that fast. I hyperextended my knee in high school. I by no means am comparing myself to Giannis, but yes, I was out. I was out for at least two weeks, and then was wearing a brace after that. Like like a hyperextended knee is it, that's a tough injury, and then I, to be not, able to and then to be able to trust your knee and with how often he attacks the paint. Um, here's the point I want to make about the finals. The mid-range jump shot is incredible, mm. especially in the NBA playoffs. I, I was listening. I forget what NBA guy I was talking about this, but in the NBA playoffs, especially the finals, layups are much harder to get, mm. and good quality three-point shots are more difficult to get. The mid-range jumper is extremely valuable. Now, to all the basketball analysts out there, I will say this, that, that say don't shoot the mid-range. All mid-range jumpers are not created equal because a wide-open elbow jumper is a great shot. 
especially if your name's Chris Paul, who's a historically great oh. mid-range jump shot, uh, jump shooter. Devin Booker, great jump shooter. And then if if Milwaukee keeps dropping their bigs off ball screens, you're getting open mid-range jumpers, which is an incredible shot. So I, I don't want to hear, oh, the Suns, no, 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 mid-range jumpers can't rely on those. You sure can if they're great looks from players who shoot them well. And Phoenix just pick and rolls you until you die because Devin Booker and Chris Paul are so good in the pick and roll. Um, but the Bucks looked really good last night, being at home, shooting the ball well. I was very worried the Suns were going to go up 3-0 and we weren't going to have a competitive series. But it's 2-1. Bucks look great. I am very engaged and excited for this. Yes. Series. No, I, I sit back and I, I've really enjoyed and appreciated this brand of basketball, this style of basketball. And, and to your point about the, the mid-range game, that was my game as a player. And so I love it. I'm drawn to it. Uh, I've, I've missed just kind of more of that. Like I liked the Warriors and Steph Curry, and it was a fun and new kind of all-in approach to, to the three-pointer. And, and it was just – it was great. It was a good – that was a fun brand of basketball. Yeah. But it's nice to now, okay, we saw the threes and such a, a reliance on the three for so long that it was almost like three first, and then that opens up everything. Now it's a little bit more, you know, getting into the paint. DeAndre Ayton has been awesome for Phoenix. So awesome. That. So Why are we awesome. Using a big man. Let's go. Giannis getting into the paint. I love it. Uh, I don't, Brooke Lopez doesn't really fit in this series. I don't know. He's he's not athletic enough for he something. Can't, he can't guard. He can't guard. He's, yeah, he's the Brooke Lopez experiment in general how he has developed and changed over the last 10 years is yeah. wild but it's it's become a they've been going to bobby portis because like it's bobby really bobby we have to be able the bucks have to be able to defend the pick and roll and brooke lopez just can't do it and he doesn't add enough offense to make it worth him playing his normal minutes but bobby portis has been awesome yeah and, I, I and, like this game. It brings the energy. Yeah. The bench players and role players have been so, so awesome this series. Right. So awesome. I'm, I'm going to jump in on that because I, even as a Duke fan, I love Cam Johnson. Incredible. Former Tar Heel. He, so even coming in, you know, just a solid shooter, you know, quiet, reserved kind of guy. And then last night, that dunk he had oh. was Epic. And Epic. I'm so glad they didn't call a foul on him either. That was great. So they they saved the day on on you know calling the foul on on PJ Tucker. And and so Cam, his ability to to shock everyone and get to the rim like that was remarkable. But then to hit that to hit the threes, to he's got a little mid-range game as well. Uh a nice guy coming off the bench, a young player. I think he'll have a really nice career in the NBA, reliable. Yeah. Uh he's kind of having his breakout, breakout series for sure. Yeah, no, he's a guy that every team wants on their team. Yes. A great bench guy, can defend, can shoot the three. And it's he's also, it's cool, he wasn't one of those classic one-and-done guys. He played at Pitt, which I did not know, and then transferred to UNC, was considered to be one of the better three-point shooters in the draft, and now he's awesome. I selfishly am like, how can we get him on the Mavs? But the Suns have all these great players, these three and D guys. They have built such a good team. Oh. You have a point guard and floor general in Chris Paul who controls the pace of every game he's in, a scoring dominant player in Devin Booker, a great 
rim running, defending, can get good points in DeAndre Ayton. Such a good big. And then you have three and D guys everywhere. Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson. Like, oh, I love like, Jay Crowder. There's, just, there's, really, there's really no holes in this Phoenix team. Like, they're impressive. And, and watching them the regular season, they've just been good all season long. And another thing I love about this finals is just, just two teams that aren't that are never there. It's been what 50 years since the Bucks have won. Phoenix it's has flashed. never won. It's different. It's nice. Yes. It's so awesome to watch. Again, I love Steph. I love LeBron, but it's it, we've seen it. We we kind of saw it over and over, and it, it was getting old. It really was. It, watching those, you know, it was it was fun early and then it got old. Now it's fresh and and you get a guy like Devin Booker who's a rising star, but you were reminded last night. He's not fully there yet because superstars don't have 10-point games. So Devin Booker is not a superstar yet. And, and DeAndre Ayton's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. He's not a superstar yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are going to have to you know, continue to step it up. I, I think they're still going to win. I think they'll figure it out. But they're young, rising superstars. They both are. Yeah, let's and not forget is, that. It's yeah, Devin Booker's first—that's a lot yeah. of their first playoffs ever. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're seeing the consistency of Giannis. He's a superstar. Definitely. Chris Paul, the veteran, you know, we're seeing the consistency out of him. I guess he's a, he's, he's kind of a superstar. He's like a superstar veteran kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but, but he's been awesome. And those two guys are leading the way. And then with Middleton and Drew Holiday, they're nice stars. They're all stars. They're veterans. But they've got to pick it up, though. But they're not superstars. And you can't expect them to be. They're just not. They're not going to be. Yes. So you can't expect Middleton to be more than he is. He can knock down some shots. He can get hot. He's a, he's a very nice player. Uh, and Drew Holiday, great defender. He'll hit some shots every once in a while. Yeah. But he's not Chris Paul. And Chris Paul's going to outplay him. So if Definitely. you think that he's going he's, he's to outplay Chris Paul, he's not. So we have to lower our expectations in that regard. Yeah. But when you're at home and, and you can get the crowd behind you, the Bucks they got hot. They're, you know, their field goal percentage percentage went up based on the last two games. Phoenix yeah. went, went down. And, and that's what we saw. So it's a fun series. I, I'm in and, yeah. and hope it goes six or seven for sure. Definitely. Um, all right. One observation just for a little fun as we uh, we transition to the goofy part of this, the, the show. We'll, we'll do uh, kind of a, a little bit of tap drill. Henry's not with us today, uh, but we'll have some fun. But here's just an observation that I made, and I need to get to the bottom of it. I haven't done enough research on this. Why do head coaches no longer wear suit and tie? What has <laughs> happened to the NBA? Now, the bubble last year, last summer, last into the fall, everything, you threw everything out the window. Everything was weird. You know, the benches, there were no fans. They're living in a bubble. All right, you don't have to wear a suit and tie. We get it. But, guys, we're back in professional basketball here. Why yeah. is Budenholzer wearing a little T-shirt or his little uh, over, over warm-up suit? What, what, what is this? <laughs> this isn't the wide basketball league. This is the NBA and, and I was going back and forth in my head last night. I was, I was watching the game, thinking about the show, and thinking about what I wanted to say. Well, maybe, Bryce, you just need to lighten up. Like, nah, it's kind of cool. These guys can wear their, their jump shoot, jumpsuits, and they don't have to you know, be all buttoned up and all that. But you know what? I, I think we, we live in a society. And I'm, now I'm going to start going off the deep end here. But <laughs> we, get, we, we, just don't, we, don't, we live we, in a society. Let's, let's hear it. We, we, don't respect, we don't respect leadership enough. Like, we don't. We don't high people we don't hold people to high regard we we sometimes don't high, hold 
people to higher standards. We just kind of everyone we're trying to bring everybody down to like this lower level. And and sometimes you know, it's not all about clothes, but it's sometimes like kind of what what that represents. And and so listen, if you're a billionaire and, and you wear a t-shirt and all that, or you're a millionaire, you're running your own company and you you've already earned the respect of your employees, then that's great. But I think in the NBA, there's a major problem with a lack of respect. And that's why we got all these coaches coaching changes all the time and players transferring. And you know, you hear a lot of the criticism in the NBA. Well, well, let's let's make sure that players are respecting their head coach. And and so it's not just about wearing a tie, but I think it helps a little. I think it, I think it, it pushes it over the edge a little bit. Now, Monty Williams commands the respect. He he has he has a great grip of that locker room. It is Incredible. evident. You, yep. you could we could talk all day about Monty Williams. He's an incredible man. So whether he's wearing a T-shirt or not, it's there. Yep. But when I look at Budenholzer and I'm questioning some of his moves, and then I look at him and he's a little disheveled with his with his warm up suit, I'm like, all right, all right, I'm out. And and <laughs> the funny thing is, so years ago when I was in college doing my show Sports Yap, we joked about how all right in baseball, you know, managers wear so weird if you really think about it. Jerseys. And it's just a funny thing, but it's part of the culture. They've been doing it forever. But we joked about like what would it be like if NBA teams (laughs) if if, if coaches wore jerseys. It would look disgusting. Stan Van Gundy. (laughs) Stan Van Gundy wearing a jersey with his hair hanging out. Like how hilarious would that be? Got the armpit hair, the 80s short shorts. You gotta love it, but, oh. but we're one step away from that. We are heading down a slippery <laughs> slope. Well, yeah. What I what I what I joked about 15 years ago is starting to to, to oh take. Oh my change. gosh! What are we doing? Get the guys back in the suit. Get your <laughs> hair fixed. I mean, we, 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 nobody has to do their hair anymore. Nobody has to shower. We're talking about head coaches of an NBA franchise. Get some, you know, establish yourself a little bit. What are let's, we doing here? Let's entertain this. So what would, what other sport, because baseball, we're used to it. But if yeah. you really think, I mean, if you think about grown men wearing uniforms in general, even the players, it's it's kind of weird. Because you show up to the YMCA and you see guys in their mid-30s wearing jerseys. It's weird. Like, dude, uh, let, let's just go t-shirt and shorts. We don't need jerseys, sweet, like cut off shirts, nothing, none of that. So we give baseball a pass because we're used to it. What would be worse? Well, so we think of basketball. That would just be the coaches' bodies are not meant to be in uniforms. No. Not meant to be in uniforms. Some of our former players, my Yeah, but they're older, especially in comparison to how their their players would be. It would just be be weird. Because baseball, you can wear the pants. You you cover up everything. Yeah. In football, would a coach (laughs) have to wear shoulder pads? And if, co- if football coaches had to dress like they had to wear the uniform, shoulder pads really and pants and cleats or hockey, get in the whole, the whole hockey uniform. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, well, you mentioned hockey. They, they wear suits, right? They're still wearing suits. Yeah, they're wearing suits. Yeah. And and even in the NFL, like I think, you know, because Bill Belichick is the best and, and he wears a cutoff hoodie that now we've kind of loosened the reins on that too. But you think back to the the Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi. I mean, how far away are we from that? Are you kidding me? I even remember, I think a few years ago, there was like somebody that, that was in trouble for wearing a suit. Was it Jack Del Rio? I think Jack Del Rio was trying to wear a suit and it wasn't, he's got to wear a, an NFL licensed hat because they want to sell hats. Oh, I just can't get Come over the, the, the mental image of a guy. <laughs> 
of a coach. I'm just imagining, uh, yeah, Stan Holder. Van Gundy. Yeah, Stan Van Gundy walking out in double. We're in jersey double zero. Says coach on the back, tucked in, the high socks all the way up to his knee. Yes, come on team, <laughs> come on team. Like, that, yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, he's got to do that one time a year. Let's have let's have a a, a play a, a dress like players coaching day because oh we're not my that gosh. far away we're not that far away very Everybody, true slippery slope that's hilarious slippery slope I'm telling you put an end to it now <laughs> listen I'm not a big I never wear a tie I rarely wear a tie so it's not like I'm Mr Tie guy but when I put one on I'm like all right yeah oh yeah you walk a little bit you know more yeah, confident. yeah. You, you you respect me listen to what I got to say I got a tie on <laughs> I got a tie on. So, but we're getting away from it, and it, you know the 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 work culture has changed. And I will say, so I, interesting. I, I I'm somewhere in the middle on this because I am a quarter zip assassin. I love wearing quarter zips. I hate wearing suits. I just get so hot and uncomfortable. I just love wearing shorts and a shirt or throwing a quarter zip. That's why I love to do. But I will say, we are missing out on the classic frustrated coach take off the jacket it's game time yes it's fourth yes. quarter the jacket is Let off sweat. yeah we got the back sweat showing it's game time so that is amazing you think of all great coaching moments it's when they take their suit jacket off and they launch it at their poor assistant coach who's fumbling the jacket or a player and they have no idea what to do with that so i totally understand Bryce's point here on yes we're maybe departing too far from coaches wearing suit jackets but I also sympathize and I love the I love them wearing the quarter zips but there's a balance like in college basketball you wear suits but for like the Maui Invitational all the coaches are in the the short sleeve button down Hawaiian shirt that's really fun <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you mix it up. I enjoy. I enjoy seeing that. It's the NBA Finals. But when did it change? When did last year in the bubble? Oh, that's what caused the change. Yeah, interesting. You know, last year caused a lot of change. Everything got flipped up upside down in all of our lives and everything. Some stuff will stay. Some stuff will, uh, you know, will go back to what it used to be. Um, But it seems like we're we're missing the boat on that with the uh, with the suits. So NBA coaches bring them back. All right, we only got a couple minutes left, Luke. We'll. uh, We'll jump around with with a couple things, um, and now that it's saying on the uh, the the live stream, I, I'm having some technical issues, but um, but we'll we'll wrap things up here um, tonight. Home run derby. Are, do you get into the home run derby? Are you like, oh, I can't wait to tune in and get in front of the couch to to watch this? It's been it's been a few years since I've watched. I when I was playing baseball, I mean. Uh, very few things I was more excited about. Interesting, but I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of redundant to me. I, I mean, the year where Josh Hamilton from my Rangers had like twenty eight bombs in one round Ooh. that was exciting. For some reason, it's lost its flair. The NBA dunk contest has lost its flair for me. I I don't know. I, I'll probably tune in, but I'm not dying to watch it. I don't I don't know all the reasons for that, but not as much into it. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about like what happened to my my love for baseball or my fandom for baseball, and it's just kind of uh, just dwindled over the years. I still love going to games, and and 
have some fond memories of, of watching baseball over the years. And, and I like some of the young stars that, that the, the league has right now. But I think when you're a kid, you're playing baseball. You're hitting home runs in the backyard. You're playing the video games. I used to play the, the – I love baseball video games. So much fun. So I knew all the players. Uh, back then, I was watching SportsCenter. <laughs> We'd watch the same episode once, twice, sometimes three times in the morning. And, and you just watched every highlight of every sport. And, and so you were in. Now I've got DVR. I just flip through and fast forward to what I you know, am drawn to. And so I'm, I'm a basketball, football, golf guy. And baseball kind of gets squeezed out. And then I think, too, with the calendar year, um, now like the NBA Finals are in July. Usually this is kind of Major League Baseball time. It's kind of the only thing going on. So, oh, yeah, home run derby, all-star game. That's fun. Let's watch that. Uh, but now it's it's squeezed in between NBA Finals games, and and that's kind of a little bit more of a priority for me. That's what I'm I'm you know, more of a fan of. So yeah, I don't have that that same enthusiasm uh, that that I used to have, especially for for the home run derby and, and the All Star game. It's it's the best you know sports All Star game. I'm a big NBA All Star fan as well, but I think baseball is pretty sweet. So and there's some reasons to tune in this year. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the the home run derby probably won't won't get a ton of my attention tonight. There are some uh, good names, though. I'm excited for some of the names. Shohei Otani, I'm excited to see him. So. Yes, I mean, it's incredible for him to, to be uh, an all-star as a pitcher and a hitter. It's just, it's just remarkable. So it can't be can't be talked about enough, really. Um, and then uh, the other thing I was going to ask you, so the spelling bee was last week. How did you do in your own spelling bees? Um, I've, I've, I was in one spelling bee elementary school. And it was a quick first round exit. Ooh, what it was, was the it word? Was, I don't remember the word, but it was so so spellable. Like I, it was, it was one of those things where I got messed up on a double e or a silent e at the end. Ooh. I mean, it was like third grade, so like words that should be able to be spelled, and it was embarrassing. I was <laughs> like, man, I'm, I was trying to impress my classmates, trying to be this cool guy that can play sports and also spell words really well. Very, yeah, very disappointing performance. So my big run, I, I made it to like the next round. It wasn't real far, but it was like maybe out of my class into like the grade uh, level. Yeah. So this, this is probably elementary school as well. Maybe fifth grade. I lost on the word giraffe. I still don't know how to spell mm. it. I still couldn't tell you how to spell it. I don't know if there's two R's, two F's, two E's, but somewhere along the way there, there are double. I would just want to be in a spelling bee again. I don't know if there's adult spelling bees, like just your normal, like, like your men's league softball. You're also your <laughs> men's league spelling bee. <laughs> but if they have if those, not, you need to start it. Get it that's going. right. That's right. That yeah, so, awesome. yeah. Away with, away with church softball leagues. Let's get a church spelling bee. Come on now. Yes. But I would just want to, compete. we could just do, we could do uh like Shashevsky, like sports yeah. names. <laughs> That's right. That'd That's be right. awesome. All but right. We're going to have to make an unpacking event. The unpacking it spelling bee. Yes. Let's but go. I would want to participate. Who's in? Who's in? Yes. If you're listening, who's in? I would just want to participate just so I can be the guy up there that's super snobby. Um, what's the part of speech? Yeah. Can you use it in a sentence? What's the origin? I would just want to go to town origin. on those questions before just an egregious misspelling. Uh, I love it. All right. Last Last thing, the ESPYs uh, were over the weekend. I was mountain biking, so I did not watch the ESPYs. Did you? Not a chance. Well, I, I, was, pl- I was playing golf. but at night? It was on at night, wasn't it? Ooh, a little, uh, little sunset at 835 now in Texas. So, uh, Ooh, there you go. 
Yeah, so a little evening golf, a little twilight, those twilight, mm. those twilight rates. But uh, I don't know. I, I I've kind of lost interest with. Well, the band, the host jokes have been very mediocre. Mm. It's been bad in my opinion. But I did see I, I I did see clips and they poor Ben Simmons. I said this earlier in the show. Did you see the joke no, they made about him? I did not. They were like praising Ben Simmons on some humanitarian work he's done. Oh, Ben Simmons, he's been building houses. They showed a picture. Yeah, they've been, and it was just a pile of like bricks in front of this house. And they're like, yeah, Ben Simmons has been building houses with all his playoff bricks. Oh. And then they brought out two kids from apparently this house they built. And they're like, thank you, Ben Simmons. And I'm like, they really brought out two children oh. to drive this joke home. Like, poor Ben Simmons. You're driving him to, it's, it's going to have some like, like mental health struggles from this. Like, well, I feel like it already is. Yeah. It's just bad. Like you can joke, but to go that, to bring two kids out to drive a joke home. That's like, what are we doing here guys? Yeah. I'm with you on that. Let's celebrate sports. Let's not, it's, it's not a roast club. Like we're not roasting each other. Let's celebrate the sports like feats. Come on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you have the right comedian, it can be fine. Like Steve Harvey does the NFL honors. And, and always does a nice yeah, job. Yeah, no, there's 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 definitely a balance. But when you're trying, when you watch, and they're like, man, they're trying so hard to have these like generational roasts. Like, what is the purpose of the ESPYS anymore? Yeah, I know. I I've, I've probably missed the last couple of years. I used to always enjoy it, and then they kind of too. Yeah, I got away from I think the core of of what made it great. So, um, so anyway. All right. Well, that was a fun show. Luke, appreciate you. We missed Henry and the interns today, but uh, they should be back for next week's show. Uh, We'll have some other podcasts uh, coming to you in in the next couple of weeks as well, uh, in addition to the Monday live show. So we'll be doing that for for the next few weeks. I do have a baby due. So at some point. Yeah, come on. uh, We may may miss a a live show, uh, but excited with football coming around the corner. Also fantasy football around the corner. If you haven't ordered your Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook, uh, make sure you do that, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Order it. Come on now. Football season's coming close. It's coming. we got a bunch of leagues available for you to join and play uh, with us here at Unpacking It, and so you can check that out as well, uh, unpackingit.com slash fantasy. Uh, So be sure to join one of our leagues, and uh, we got some fun ones. 32-man league or 32-team league um, and uh, 12-team league. So, so check it out for sure. All right, Luke, uh, thank you. Uh, as always, I wrap it up by saying I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the summer, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Un. Hacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.